0: Hey, church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now, here's today's message from Pastor JP. Uh, okay, how many guys are excited about Sabbath series? Amen. Amen. Um, I want to talk today about Sabbath as a discipline that helps us live in heaven. Over the past year or so, I think like we can all come into agreement. What we've seen is... Um, Often, at least, let me, I'm not gonna say we. Oftentimes, what I've seen in my own life is like, I wanna get to heaven, but I don't wanna actually live there. I can get stuck in the process of trying to get to heaven. You know what I mean? See heaven's perspective on something, or, you know, I'm not crazy, that's heaven. It changed, we're good. You know what I mean? Get stuck so in, in the process of being like, Lord, I want you to move here. And him being like, I'm in the process of, like, the moving. You know what I mean? Is anybody? Yeah? Um, and I, I believe that Sabbath is a discipline that helps us live in heaven. Amen. Amen. I like that faith. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend the first half today arguing from Scripture that living in heaven is possible right now. Because when I say that, right, we sit there and we're like, all right, what is this guy about to talk about? Like living in heaven. You know what I mean? Like it's not like some ethereal thing where we're like, you know, in the sky or, you know, none of that. I want to talk about like living from the reality of heaven's world right now. And I want, I want us to see in the word that this is actually our inheritance right now and then i want to teach about how sabbath is a discipline that provokes us into deeper depth in living in heaven okay so we're like those are my two and i may fail miserably and you guys are just going to have to roll with me okay if you if you have your bibles turn to luke chapter 17 luke chapter 17 we're going to be in verse twenty, um. and what's what's really we're gonna we're gonna deal with an encounter that Jesus has with some church folks, with some Pharisees, and like Pharisees get a bad rap, right? Like we we hate on these brothers, but like in their heart of hearts they. These guys, I mean, they really wanted to please God. And oftentimes we can look and see people who are really trying to please God and maybe have like issues and we can like condemn. Right. Jesus never turns Pharisees away. Ever. He always. And sure, he speaks truth and gives correction. But the embrace of the Pharisee is something that I love about Jesus. Jesus. He's not afraid of like pretentious self-righteousness. <laughs> he actually welcomes it. Okay, cool. So we're in Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And Jesus is, um, you know, we're real close to the end here. Jesus, Jesus has a reputation for being the son of God. Like he's, he's the bee's knees. And he is. And a group of, uh, a group of Pharisees, come up to him and and ask him this question. Being asked by the Pharisees, verse 20, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Lord, right now, we, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here. Jesus, you prayed that we would be sanctified in your truth and that your word is that very truth. So we ask now, Lord, that you would pierce us with your word And we come willingly because we know that where you cut, you also heal. Where you correct, you also are tender. So we just, yeah, we we come hungry, we come expectant for what you have to say. Give us ears to hear this morning. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Oh, this is good. I want to start by asking, what, like, what, why would they ask such a question to Jesus? To get inside the mind of a first century Jew, we have to go back to Genesis, right? As we've talked about, as we've learned about. That's, that's the perspective that they view the entire world. The garden, right? And, and the first thing we have to grasp about Sabbath is that Sabbath, before it was a day, it was a reality. When God created the world, Sabbath was the natural response of creation in right order with everything, right? Before there was a law, before there was people to break a law, Sabbath was the natural response of the earth in what God had already done. Sabbath is a reality before it's ever a practice or a discipline or a day, And what what we see in Genesis is that this reality of Sabbath rest is actually distorted by sin, right? The second sin enters the picture, Sabbath rest is broken. There is something within the fabric, the DNA of the universe that sin perverted. I know we don't like to talk about sin, but like this is the reality, And so when these Pharisees ask, right, that's in the back of their mind. This idea that God has a redemptive plan to restore what was perverted. And in the prophetic literature of the Old Testament, the kingdom of God is that plan. It is this, the phones, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so the kingdom of God right it's that idea that God is going to restore every single thing that has ever been perverted and he's going to do it with his rule and his reign God is going to restore the earth This is the hope of the gospel. We are not hopeless. (laughs) We actually are the most hope-filled people that exist right now. And so, so, right, this idea that the kingdom of God is going to come and pervade the earth is, in the first century, these Jewish Pharisees' hope. Right, They're like, when is this going to happen? Because rumors, as Jesus has declared himself the Son of Man and the Messiah, rumors have circulated. And so they are asking the one who is supposed to bring the kingdom, if you're here, why isn't this happening? Correct? Okay, so, so what did they expect it to look like? Now we could get like super theological here. The, the the main perspective here is that they they want they expected this to be Roman dis- destruction. The Romans had come and taken their land. The Romans had come and taken their temples. They had given some back, but they weren't so nice with others. And so the, the, this I this school the the. The predominant school of thought in the first century was that Jesus was going to come and he was going to wreck these fools. He was going to establish God's dominance over Rome, over Caesar. We have a lot of thoughts today about what Jesus would do in our day. And if we're honest, we are in a prophetic moment right now where many of us, church people, are saying, Lord, when are you going to establish your kingdom? Well, we're actually asking, Lord, when will we see your Sabbath rest? And Jesus has an answer for us this morning. He has an answer for every single one of us who are looking for his rest. Are you ready? It's in your midst. This is the gospel. The kingdom of God, the inbreaking of God's kingdom is in your midst. And as we are looking in our perspective, like in our moment of history, as our culture continues to align with things that are so contrary to that kingdom. I'll just say it. I have been stuck in that moment going, Lord, when are you going to do something? Anybody else? And the answer is, he's already done something. So good. Right, there's, there is... There um, is. There's this pervasive uneasiness in our world right now that we are like on shaky ground. And we've always been on shaky ground. There's only one solid ground, right? Like the events of like the world right now, are there, like they're just exposing like reality. And we're beginning to see reality clearly, which is really good, that's a good thing, amen? So when we come to Jesus' response here, the kingdom of God is in your midst, what he does is he takes our external expectations and he inverts them. I love how A.W. A. Tozer says it. He says um, that in Jesus Christ, God took religion from the external world and placed it inside of man's heart. We have been given the kingdom of heaven now. Do you believe this morning that the reality of heaven lives in you? Have we allowed the gospel to sink that deep into us? And really what this is is that access to heaven is no longer no no it's it's no longer a question of, of whether we have access, but it's whether we have an appetite. Are you hungry this morning? Are you hungry for him? Are you hungry for the things of God? There is no, right? This is this is this is what's so audacious about the gospel, is like we were enemies over here. And now we, we're not just right with him, but he invites us to sit at the head seat of the table with him. We're seated with him in heavenly places. To be seated with him is to be pictured in that throne room scene where all the angels are going nuts and like we're just chilling with Jesus. And I, right, like, like we shrug that off and we laugh at that, but that's a reality right now. So the inbreaking of God's kingdom into the world is Jesus Christ's transformation of the human heart. It is the reversal of what the enemy did in the garden. Jesus says that there is one, peop- one reason why people do not have rest right now in the world. They don't have him. They do not have him. And Jesus, one human heart at a time comes to reconcile all people to his father. This is God's answer to your rebellion, to my rebellion, to Adam and Eve. It's it's the it's the reformation of the human heart. Amen. Okay. So when we get to this place of of Jesus as the Lord of his kingdom and the king of his kingdom, that is why he has the ability to say the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath, because his presence is Sabbath rest. His proximity to us is what brings real rest. And this is the thing. We are called and have been given the privilege to live in that, to live from that forever. This is good, like, guys, this is such good news. This is really, I promise. I, like, you may be tired. I don't know, but this is good news. Yeah. And, 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 and you may be sitting here going like, okay, yeah, that's great. But like the external manifestations of God's kingdom, I'm not seeing. And like, that's a very real thing. We're not like discarding that. You know what I mean? There will, be a come, there, there will come a moment where Jesus, as the king of his kingdom, will execute judgment. He will set all things correct. He will do all those things. But that's, right, when we ask him when he's going to do that, what he does is he points the finger back at us and says, I've already done that in you. And then he invites us to participate. (laughs) So just as Sabbath, right, for for an Israelite was a way to order their world around the realities of heaven, now we have Sabbath as a tool to help us live in heaven. Okay, so I'm just going to touch on three elements, okay? I might offend somebody here. Don't care. Like, not intentionally. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I meant. Three elements of our discipleship that Sabbath will actually push us to live in heaven, okay? Three elements of our discipleship where when we operate in Sabbath rest, we will become better disciples. Let's just put it that way. Okay, the first is the place we live. The cry of the Pharisees, right, is, Lord, when are you going to bring your kingdom here? When are you going to redeem this place? And oftentimes in the church, like, we, we, we neglect to, like, see the beauty and the, and the weightiness of the places that we inhabit. But it's actually where God's called us to be salt and light. and we are in a moment in history right now where everything and everyone is trying to detach us from the places that God's called us to work in i'm going there these things i heard a study the other day said we pick these touch these things over 2500 times a day the average american that's nuts 2,500 times. And that doesn't count if you have an Apple Watch. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It's really hard to pause and see where God's at work in the actual world that we inhabit when we're stuck in a digital one and this is this is and, and this is the thing this is the thing this is the lie of the enemy that that actually is a place it's not a place promise you it's not it's 100% not a place so if the enemy can right this is the thing we can be we can be holy we can be righteous we can be filled with the holy ghost but if we're distracted we won't be effective so if i'm living in digital world which and oh, let me say this Digital world is can be redemptive. Like that's not what I'm saying. Please hear my heart here. Like God touches people in the digital world. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for the majority of us, distraction is a very real thing because we live in digital world. Okay, I just cool. Um, the, like these these things are a perpetual reminder that we are the center of our universe. It literally has a camera for you to look at yourself. Okay, but this is the thing, right? We laugh at this, but this is assaulting our discipleship. This is waging war against us this morning, right now. And it creates almost like this sense of like narcissism, like everything's about me. I love, I love, this is, listen, this is, this is so good. This is what Ronald Rollheiser says. There's nothing inherently wrong with privacy. No one comes to maturity or stays there except through a healthy balance of social interaction and privacy. What is at issue is exclusiveness. When this need for privacy is unchecked, meaningful social interaction diminishes and the opportunity to escape into a world of private projects Private dreams and private fantasies increases. Narcissism grows stronger when there is not enough meaningful social interaction to draw us out of ourselves and make us aware of the reality outside of us. So what? So what? Sabbath asks us to do is meaningfully authentically genuinely engage the places that God has placed us when is the last time that we've had conversations with our neighbors and like look them in the eye you know looking people in the eyes the Lord has been oh he's been just on this looking people in the eyes is so vulnerable Jesus talks so much about this the eye is the window of the soul isn't it so funny when you get on the CTA nobody looks anybody in the eye? <laughs> right? And you're like, what did I wear? And you're like, what is going on right now? No, like, when's the last time we looked our neighbors in the eyes? Had a moment with them where we, where we heard about their day, their week. See, this is, this, is the lie, this, is, this is the tactic of the enemy. If he can distract us in different worlds where, 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 he, where, where we're not called, we don't get to act and walk redemptively in the places that he has called us. And we can pray till we're blue in the face for God to encounter our neighbors, but he's invited us to be that catalyst for our neighbors to encounter him. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I'm convinced many of us are looking for, for. <laughs> we're looking for God as we scroll and he's saying, look up. Like I'm, I'm right here. Like guys, this is, and this is another pervasive lie that like God is far from us in any way. Like he's here right now. I want to tell a story. So I, um, and, like, I want to tell this story because it, again, makes me very human, makes this very human. Um, like, there's so, like, if you're sitting here right now, this is a lie of the end. If you're sitting here right now and you're like, man, I suck at this, that's not the voice of the Father. He never speaks like that. This is an invitation this morning. And, like, that condemning, shameful spirit, like, get the mess out of here. That's not, like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here if we're listening to that sort of voice? That's not a good father. Okay. Um, I spent eight months living next to Jose. Jose is my neighbor. I see him at least three times a week. It took me eight months to have a conversation with him. The first time I had a conversation with him, we talked about the Lord. We prayed for healing. He didn't get healed that I know of. Um, And then he invited us over for dinner with his family. And like, right, like the, the condemning lie is like, it took you eight months to do that. But like, it took 25 minutes of a conversation. And I just had to like show up. You know, I just had to put myself out there. So what I, I tell that story. I tell, guys, it's so quiet. You guys are so intimidating. It's like, seriously, you guys are. Uh. I tell that story to say like, guys, like this is a very real reality. And, and, and we don't have to be super holy. We don't have to be super perfect. We just have to be available. Like that's all he's asking for. Okay. The place we inhabit. The second thing is our pace, our pace of life. Um, Jesus was never in a hurry because he lived from his father's agenda. And when we allow other things to dictate our pace, that's when we are anxious. That's when we are unfruitful. That's when we operate in our own strength. Um, oh no, it happened again. You know what I'm talking about. like when I, yeah. <laughs> Guys, this happens. Oh man. This is what Henry Nouwen says. The great paradox of our time is that many of us are busy and bored at the same time. We're running from one event to the next. We wonder in our innermost selves if anything is really happening. While we can hardly keep up with our many tasks and obligations, we are not so sure that it would make any difference if we did nothing at all. And while people keep pushing us in all different directions, we doubt if anyone really cares at all. In short, while our lives are full, we are unfulfilled. Pace, the pace of our lives. Pragmatism is a real thing. It is the air we breathe, consumerism, the always needing to get something done, always needing to buy something. All, like all the, you know what I mean? Like we could sit and be philosophical and all that stuff. Like I'm not smart enough for that. Are we hearing the word of the Lord and living by that? What Sabbath does is it causes us to slow down and listen to the voice of the Father. And, and when we do that, we come into agreement with Jesus's reality that man doesn't actually live by bread alone. Like, there are so many moments of my life where I realize I didn't listen to the voice of the Father and now I'm in a mess. And then, right, we can try to like blame God and say like, oh, woe is me, how did I get there? And he's like, I didn't lead you there. So therefore, like, he has no responsibility there. It's like your own, you know what I mean? He loves us. He gives us a choice. And so what I'm saying is Sabbath helps us cultivate a approach towards life where we stop and we hear and we're actually being led rather than stepping out in front of the spirit. And guys, this is like crucial for our discipleship. If we don't catch this, we are like missing out on what it means to know the deep, intimate fellowship of Jesus and be led by him. Also, how funny is that? Like usually like there's points and it's just like pace. <laughs> right, when we when we do this, when, when when we do this, we often and like this is again, this is an invitation. When we do this, we often find out that we're pragmatic atheists. That like the 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 ordinary consciousness of of God in our lives, it's like nowhere to be found. Does Jesus go to the coffee shop with you? Does he guide your conversations at work? Is there a felt sense of his presence consistently throughout our day? If, it, if, that, if that's no for you, like that's okay. There's the invitation, like this is what it means to follow him. Sabbath will bring us to a place of realization in this, where we discover if we are or we are not being led by him, amen? Lastly, what Sabbath will do is it'll confront our perspectives. It'll confront the way that we view life, our big picture narratives. I can't tell you how many times, so like my big thing on my Sabbath I walk. I like, I actually, I actually, like last Sabbath, I, I got in the car to like drive over to a friend's house, like real quick. I, I felt a check. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have drove. Well, yeah. And what's so cool, I just totally forgot where I was at. <laughs> So bad, dude. He will correct every wrong thinking that we have. C.S. Lewis calls him the great iconoclast. God is not, um, so so it's, it's the greatest paradox. He's not like justifying our wrong thinking. He will not do it. He will be tender and nice, but he will attack it. And he will attack it because our wrong thinking actually kills us. It actually keeps us from from having abundant life. And so as a good father, he's like, that has to go. But he doesn't do it, right? He doesn't do it in a way that's like, "Ah." he does it through walks in the neighborhood. I was with a brother the other day. We were driving in the street. And we, have had, we had had a day. Work was work. And, and, I, and, and this, this car just blew a stop sign. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. It's like, yo, you're putting people in danger out here. Like, what's going on? And he's next to me, and he goes, people are the worst. <laughs> and I said, yeah, man, they so are. And then I got stopped and I said, no, they're not. No, they're not. I refuse to come into agreement with that. Every single person in my neighborhood was created in the image of God and bears intrinsic value. What the heck am I thinking saying people suck? That's a wrong perspective. That's a moment for me to repent. And get in line get in alignment with heaven's perspective. And and we have to to practice the art of submitting our perspectives to Him when He calls. Right? This is not self-correction, this is God correction. There's a big difference. When, when we begin to see the world through heaven's perspective, that's when we're moved with compassion to operate in redemptive purpose. And that's really the perspective of heaven, right? As, as we submit to the Lord in our place, as we allow him to dictate our pace, we begin to see and live from heaven's perspective. And this is like not Nick's thought. This is this is this is the Bible. We have to come into submission with this. This is what it says. This is Paul after he gives a very very lengthy and Theologically, sometimes confusing, sometimes beautiful, all over the place, exposition of the gospel. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the places of this world, to the paces of this world, to the perspectives of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, what moves his heart So my question is to us today, what world are we living from? What world are we living in? Um, And as we continue in this series of Sabbath rest, I just challenge you to invite the Lord to provoke these areas. Okay, I, I, yeah. Correction only hurts where we have not died to ourselves. Correction only hurts us. Only is like a, uh, where we haven't died. And every single time God chooses to take something from us, it's an opportunity to gain something from him. Right? This, is the, this is the great gift of the kingdom of God, is that every single time we hop on a cross with Jesus Christ, we find resurrection life. This is the way that it works, and it's the tough, tough task. It is not easy at times, but his burden is light, and it's always way more satisfying than any other way. Would you guys stand? If, um if God's just dealing with you and you're like I just need to just need to have a moment after service these altars are going to be open after we close we're going to have our prayer team up here we'd love to stand in agreement for anything anything you're doing anything you're going through but I really I right the I I just wanna I want to pray a blessing over us today I want, us to, I, I, I want us to receive the blessing that God has placed us here in this city. And that he's calling us to be led by his spirit and walk redemptively in his purpose and plan. This is good, good news. And this is the invitation for all of us today is to get on board with what he's doing um, and so as we go to pra- as we continue to go practice, I just want to pray that God would encounter all of us in our different spheres of life, where we're, where we're practicing this and where we're giving ourselves to this practice. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your truth that will always prevail. We thank you for your presence, that is comfort, that is peace, that is our ultimate satisfaction in life and death. And we thank you, God, that that you have chosen us, this people in this room, to be your children. You've given us such great responsibility in this city of Chicago. So right now, God, we just receive your grace for where we have been distracted We receive your mercy, God, for where we have stepped in front of your spirit. And Lord, we ask for you to align any perspectives that they be off. We ask for heaven's perspective. We want to live from heaven. We want to live in heaven. And we thank you, Lord, that your abundance and your kingdom is in our midst. We receive it once again this morning. Lord, I ask for for, for mighty encounters as we, as we Sabbath with you, as we tap into heaven. Lord, would you meet us? We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We thank you for being here with us. We pray this in your name.